the audible of the best in Bitcoin. This is the Crypto Economy. It is time to choose our fiction. Uh, I've got an awesome post today. Oh, by the way, I just uh, uh, saw that... Well, first, I stacked some sats because my Trump bucks arrived today, and I am super jacked about that. But also, I am continuously stacking my sats with Swan Bitcoin. I got a savings plan in Bitcoin that is always running, and I don't have to do anything about it. You know how I know I'm stacking sats right now? Because I'm always stacking sats. I use Swan Bitcoin. So I will comfortably know while we are reading today's article uh, that uh, I am always increasing my Bitcoin savings. With that, this is a great article. This is on the uh, BitMEX blog, and it's by Arthur Hayes, the uh, CEO of uh, BitMEX. Um, and uh, it's very <laughs> rally cry-esque, um, but it's just great. I'm not going to lead it too much because it, it speaks for itself. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. Again, this is by Arthur Hayes at BitMEX, uh, blog.bitmex.com, and it is titled, Choose Your Fiction. Shazam! You snap your fingers, and COVID has disappeared. You can exit lockdown and continue on with your life. How do you feel? Are you as optimistic as you were in January? Do you trust your government to put your health and safety first? Do you trust your government to tell you the truth in a timely manner, or will it juke the stats when it suits them? Do you trust the media to speak truth to power? Will you wash your hands once an hour furiously, or blithely touch your eyes, nose, and mouth with zero f**ks given? If, once we're out of this, you can honestly say that everything has gone back to how it was in early January of this year, then happy days. It may well be that we are in for a V-shaped economic recovery. But if, as I believe, your worldview has fundamentally changed, the fictions that underpinned your life have shifted dramatically. As we consider the most important price, the price of money and its nature, Predicting the collective fiction we believe in becomes of utmost importance. Money, true money, which is divorced from industrial utility, is nothing more than a fiction which allows us to exchange labor and capital efficiently so that real goods and services can be produced. Without this fiction, the conveniences of modern society would cease to exist. There are three prevalent monetary fictions whose interrelationships post-COVID will completely change. Government fiat, a.k.a. the U.S. dollar, equals fiction plus violence. We know the U.S. dollar has value because contracts and taxes owed will be collected at the barrel of a gun if necessary. The dollar derives value from a strong belief that the United States can raise taxes to pay back its debts. Gold equals fiction plus physical scarcity. Gold has no widespread industrial use case. It is just shiny, physically scarce, 
malleable, and has captivated human attention for millennia. Therefore, it has value. Bitcoin equals fiction plus cryptographic scarcity. Bitcoin has value because a piece of open source software is collectively run by many guarantees that only 21 million units will ever exist. Therefore, it has value. After the senseless destruction of human lives in World War II, the victors sat down in Bretton Woods and created the modern financial system underpinned by the U.S. dollar. We are still under the yoke of the U.S. dollar today. The USD used to be worth its weight in gold, $35 an ounce to be exact, until 1971. Tricky Dick wanted to fight a war while giving out goodies at home. Free shit, vote for me. That's the best way to win any election. However, he couldn't stomach a run on the nation's gold, so he severed the relationship. Since then, the value of the U.S. dollar has depended entirely on trust. Fast forward to January 2020. The U.S. has the most liquid financial market and is completely open to all capital. All major commodities and trade is priced in dollars. Therefore, if you are a country or company doing international business, you must have access to those dollars. That's great for everyone when the beat is going strong. The Federal Reserve has a global obligation to keep dollars in good, cheap supply. That is why they have FX swap lines with the major central banks. The world is short on the dollar, and only demure academic-looking Federal Reserve governors can provide them. Countries and companies can easily earn dollars by selling knickknacks to rich Americans. 70% of American GDP is driven by consumption. It makes the world go round. Hundreds of millions of peasants have been lifted out of abject poverty so that they can produce cheap iPhones, Air Jordans, or F-150s, all so the parent American company can enjoy record profit margins. Europeans are not far behind in their consumption. Europe and America combined represents the global demand for goods. Absent them, who the f*** is going to buy this dog shit at insane markups? Deng Xiaoping, on his southern tour, unleashed the Chinese upon the world after a hundred-year hiatus. They began powering the luxury goods, travel, and education sectors after gaining serious wealth from offshoring of manufacturing from west to east. Sorry for waxing philosophical. I'm no modern-day Thoreau, and I certainly don't live on a pond. Keeping it simple, China sells in dollars that Americans and Europeans buy. Uh-oh. COVID. China shut down production to fight the virus, meaning no dollar income. Then Americans and Europeans caught it and shut down their economies, meaning no more demand. Once China opened again for business and started making stuff, there were no orders from the West as they were all watching Pornhub at home and ordering Grubhub. If they aren't vegging out, they're worried about when their next paycheck will arrive to pay for f**k-off expensive medical care. The moral of this sorry tale is that China ain't earning dollars. And they are not alone. No major manufacturing or services hub is earning any dollars. But they need them to pay for raw commodities and to pay back their dollar liabilities. It would all be gravy if their central bank could print dollars, but mon dieu. They cannot. 
A mini-EM currency meltdown occurred at the tail end of March. The Fed's response was to offer swap lines to additional central banks, but not China. That has eased the pressure a bit, but take a look at the CDX-EM-HY-CDS spread. It looks like a West Hollywood blowout hairdo. The conventional wisdom is that the Fed can print money until the dollar gets cheap enough. But U.S. banks tend to hoard U.S. dollars and refuse to lend. There are a variety of regulatory reasons why they cannot, and why take the risk during a global depression. Better to be safe and make sure your balance sheet is rock solid. Simple, simple. The Fed can print as much USD as it likes, but the companies and countries that need it the most will not get it. The most important one is China. China's currency is not convertible, and in the eyes of Western Europe and America, it was responsible for this virus. Whether that is true or not is not the point. Do you think for a second any U.S. politician would stand up and ask the Fed to print money so that the Chinese economy can survive the COVID pandemic? The virus supposedly originated in a Wuhan live animal market. The West believes Beijing downplayed or lied about its severity. Then, all of a sudden, it shut the country because it was a serious problem. Too bad a few million infected Chinese traveled the world and started the party. Truth is not the point here. The narrative rules all. This is an election year, and China bashing is in full swing. Cue the Seinfeld soup Nazi. No dollars for you. The USD is strong and will destroy the global economy. The only country which can credibly enact the appropriate amount of fiscal stimulus to weather the storm is the U.S. No other country has the option to depreciate their currency to the degree necessary to generate economic activity at a level which honors the credit in the system and promises to their plebes. Remember that all raw commodities are priced in dollars. If you print too much money to monetize your government debt, your currency craters and inflation runs rampant. At that point, the Jacobins enter the street and you better not be munching on a cake. That summarizes how I see events playing out over the next decade. I have no idea on timing, but the strong USD will break the back of the global economy and force a reset. The question is what the new system will look like. Gaze into my portfolio to see my soul. Long USD Chinese Yuan, two years, eight calls. Long USD South Korean Yuan, one year, 1,600 calls. Long CDX EM CDSI spread. I don't have this one yet, but I'm waiting for my levels on the rebound in markets. Central banks will devalue against a hard digital asset. What that digital asset is, I have no clue, but it may include a linkage to Bitcoin. The USD fiction is over. It's time for a new mental crutch. Do you believe in physical or cryptographic scarcity? After a societal fetish for all things fiat, the pendulum will swing wildly towards what is hard and scarce. Traditionally, investors expect a weak gold or Bitcoin price when the dollar is strong. But dollars cannot be had, and trust in government Frankenstein currencies will evaporate. Gold is the historical best choice, 
It also is widely owned by central banks. The best way to rebase a currency is an extremely high gold price. This happened during the 1970s oil crisis, and the Fed raised interest rates to a level where it became silly to own gold when you could earn 20% investing in U.S. government debt. This time around, the Fed cannot raise rates. That would destroy the finances of the U.S. government, who must hand goodies to all. Remember, this is now QE4 de people, or QE forever. The U.S. electorate will not tolerate another exclusive financial services bailout. They will get paid to sit at home, watch Netflix, aka the Tiger King, and refrain from using their assault rifles to initiate a modern-day whiskey rebellion. Therefore, there is not an alternative asset which entices people away from gold as the legacy of Bretton Woods' system breaks down. The stock market of the land of the free will become a political tool. The U.S. Treasury, powered by the Fed, will buy all government and corporate debt. They will buy equities. They will buy consumer loans. You would think that stocks are the place to be if the government is buying the index. But let's remember the Nikkei in 1989. The Bank of Japan now owns upwards of 30% of the Japanese equity market, and the Nikkei is still 50% below its all-time high. And I'm only speaking in nominal terms. Try deflating that by the Bank of Japan balance sheet. Wrecked! The once mighty U.S. stock market will be a corral of zombie big corporates who had the connections to suck from the teat of the U.S. taxpayer. That wouldn't be so bad if inflation can be kept at bay. However, as the world recovers, we have an infinite amount of fiat currency chasing a finite supply of real goods. SMEs, or small to medium-sized enterprises, represent 60 to 80% of most countries' economies. These companies, due to their small size and limited connections, pay a high price for credit if it can be obtained. Even with all the well-meaning government SME lending programs, a large portion of SMEs will no longer be in existence by the time they can actually access the funds. Complex systems do not recover in a linear fashion. Therefore, an infinite amount of pledged fiscal and monetary assistance will chase non-existent supply. That leads to inflation. Global stock markets will also become political tools, not efficient allocators of capital. The wrong signals will be sent, the wrong goods will be produced. Can the hipsters handle a $40 smashed avocado toast? The best inflation hedge of human civilization to date, gold, will be repriced higher. It's the only thing you can own if you believe in the fiction plus physical scarcity. How high can it go? Take the ratio of the total amount of credit to base money. That multiplier serves as guidance to a possible future for gold. Another possible outcome is the creation of a digital financial non-USD denominated system. Quote, If they dare come out in the open field and defend the dollar standard as a good thing, we shall fight them to the uttermost, having behind us the producing masses of the nation and the world. 
having behind us the commercial interests and the laboring interests and all the toiling masses, we shall answer their demands for a dollar standard by saying to them, You shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. You shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of the U.S. dollar. Satoshi Nakamoto's Democratic Convention Speech, 2020 Will a cabal of central banks rebase their currency using a digital hard crypto? Maybe. Could there be a basket of digital fiat currencies where these central banks hold a sufficient amount of gold? Maybe. All I know is the setup for Bitcoin, the hardest form of digital money, could not be better. All manners of trust have evaporated. In order to solve for demand and supply destruction, governments will embark on the greatest fiscal stimulus binge the world has ever seen. It will not be paid for by tax receipts. It can't be because 30% of the population is out of a job. It will be paid for by the printing press. The kicker is that in order to hand money directly to the people, governments will have to digitize their currencies. That will educate the populace on digital money. Once they understand fiat digital money, they will seek out the hard version to avert the ravages of inflation. If you believed that Libra could educate the masses on the joys of digital currencies, just imagine when everyone on BASIC spends their food stamps via a mobile app. Remember, the supply of goods will be insufficient because of the SME destruction during the global shutdown. Inflation in what you need, deflation in what you want. Digital finance meets wealth preservation equals Bitcoin. Enough said. That was a lot of words to get to that conclusion. Now let's trade it. Correlation 1. In a global margin call, the market will find leverage and punish it. In a global margin call, all liquid assets will be sold to finance holdings of illiquid ones. In a global margin call, correlation equals 1. We are in the midst of a global margin call on all risky assets. The reason why every asset class gets the stick is that weekends used leverage to juice their short volatility strategies. The BitMEX open interest halved. Leveraged traders got carried out. Platforms who lent dollars to miners against Bitcoin, everybody needs dollars, force sold as the market puked. Leverage was punished just like in every other asset class. However, on a relative basis, Bitcoin in quarter one still outperformed the S&P 500. Its correlation with the SPX reached a local high. Leverage was extinguished on the downside. The BitMEX XBT USD swap open interest is rebuilding slowly, and as traders get their sea legs and inflation expectations adjusted, the search for inflation hedges will begin in earnest. This is Act 1 of a global rebalancing. Every pocket of pricing distortion brought about by leverage will be exploited. Buy the dip at your peril. Bitcoin will be owned unlevered. Could the price retest 3000? Absolutely. As the SPX rolls over and tests 2000, 
expect all asset classes to puke again. As violent as the quarter one collapse in asset values was, we have almost a hundred years of imbalances to unwind the ancient regime. My end of 2020 price target remains 20000 Everyone knows the shift is upon us. That is why central bankers and politicians will throw all of their tools at this problem. And I will reiterate, that is inflationary because more fiat money will chase a flat to declining supply of real goods and labor. There are only two things to own during the transition to whatever the new system is, and that is gold and Bitcoin. If you think I'm full of shit or a stark raving Cassandra, remember what you believed in pre- and post-COVID. Can your mental model revert back to January 2020? I will take my inflation-adjusted pocket rockets, gold and Bitcoin, and call your Bretton Woods 7-2 offsuit. All in, motherfuckers. Boom. <laughs> so that was on the BitMEX blog. And again, that was from their uh, CEO, Arthur Hayes. Um, <laughs> I read this piece and I was like, oh, snap. Uh, this one's going to have to be on the show. Uh, so let's take a quick break and hit our sponsor for this episode, and we will jump back in with Guy's take on Choose Your Fiction. So this read was pretty awesome. Um, and kind of the, the core concept, though, I, I love the idea of like choosing your fiction, um, because it's, it is all a subjective valuation, and it is the idea like all of these supposed scarcities are enforced by different things. I love the the little simple math problems. The U.S. dollar is the that fiction of the dollar having value plus the violence that is uh, that enforces its scarcity. But when uh, that that scarcity is also at odds with a country that profits massively and can manipulate the entire global economy by not keeping it scarce. I mean, but what is what is the dollar scarcity really? I mean, d does anybody think, with what's happened in the last month, <laughs> the last month alone, uh, what, like, what's your trajectory for the next six months? Like, what are they, are they going to stop this? You know, do, who got their Trump bucks, Trump bucks today? Um, because I did, and mine went immediately into Bitcoin. Um, uh, gold, gold is th that same fiction, that fiction of value. Um, and this is something that people just do not get. And Peter Schiff will just beat his head against the wall all day telling you that, you know, gold has all these use cases and has all this external value. Gold would be a hundredth of its price if it was just before, because used as, um, because it's shiny and because, you know, you can use it in electronics or something. Electronics is not a new, like, you think that that has anything to do with, um, the reason gold was used 200 years ago? No. The fact of the matter is gold is sound money based by a physical scarcity, by a physical limitation of uh, the ability to create it. Um, it, is, it is physics which makes it scarce, and that is what makes it a good money, and that is what makes it valuable. 
Um, it is not valuable. It is jewelry because it is a good money. It is not good money because it is used as, as jewelry. In fact, uh, fun fact is that jewelry, the reason you would actually wear um, uh, like your wealth and stuff on your person, this practice, this practice is ancient. Like, I mean, thousands and thousands of years ago. And the, and the reason um, is it was not because it was pretty. It was because it was for security. Like if it was around your neck, they had to fight you to get it. It was as close and as secure as it could be, particularly when uh, societies were, you know, more hunter-gatherer, far more mobile, and you had to carry a lot of wealth with you. It, it came in bracelets. It was in um, necklaces. It was uh, uh, shelling out the origins of money has a lot of uh, a really fun historical details, as well as the other. Um, he has a couple of posts. Nick Zabo, by the way, is obviously the author of that. Um, and he has a number of other posts on the unenumerated blog, just kind of going through monies of the past, like like all sorts of like notes and coins and shells and all sorts of stuff where it's just like it's uh, it's like a database of just past monetary instruments. Um, it's really cool stuff. A lot of the reason that I haven't read um a number of them on the show is because they're highly visual um and they're more uh, um, it's it's kind of like a list, you know. It would be it would be a little bit less interesting. It'd be fun to do an episode on and just kind of like talk about them, maybe. Um, but it wouldn't it wouldn't make quite a quite a great read, um, specifically. You know, I'll actually let me put that down. I'll put this in the uh, show notes so uh, y'all can go check that out. That is on the unenumerated blog on the history of monetary notes and coins and such. And then enter Bitcoin in all of this. So, like gold, gold is this. This article actually goes through a lot. The, the amount of density of useful value, even though this sounds or it reads like a um, kind of an fu to the the legacy monetary system and kind of a rally cry, you know, like a call to arms is like, where are you putting your money? Really, you're going to bet on this thing? Like, look at this. Um, but it's actually pretty dense with a lot of useful information. Um, but uh, before we get to some of those, some of those elements that I want to I talk about, um, the, the fact that Bitcoin is that monetary fiction, that, that fiction of value, that collective idea of what is secure and what is scarce and what a Bitcoin is, plus cryptographic scarcity, plus a, a network, a game-theoretic system to create digital scarcity. Um, and it is primed. Uh, th this is part of the reason why I think the uh, headbutting of the gold and Bitcoin community um, is really just kind of stupid. Um, I, I, think, I don't think gold is going to... Rip Excuse me. I don't think Bitcoin is going to replace gold anytime soon, um, and I think a partial um, uh, Bitcoin and gold reserve uh, could actually give us the best of both worlds. Is that the the more pressure that Bitcoin has, the greater the independence and the pressure that can be put on. Uh, central banks and the more lack of control, the, the more we can take control back for uh, the market and the people themselves. 
it's kind of like a hedge, right? It's like, um, uh, like gold, despite the fact that it is sound money, is also highly centralized. Central banks are the ones that have all the gold, pretty much. But we have an opportunity to extend that monetary soundness into the digital world um, to get vastly more value and utility out of it in what we can do with it and the ways that we can secure it without giving up that independence. Imagine if you could put multi-sig on a gold bar. Just think about how crazy that is. Like, like what you can do with this as a digital bearer asset. And it is no less a fiction than gold. It is no less a fiction than, um, uh, or no more a fiction than gold or that uh, government fiat. The question is, which one do you still believe? Which one still holds up in this new reality? Um, and th- there, is, there is just something about this. Like, there is no going back here. Like, some things have happened in the last month or two. Um, th- there will not be a full unraveling of this. Like, like, there will be no back to January 2020, all is happy and glorious. There may be some ignorant, just morons who think that we're all just going to go back and play business as usual, but it's simply not happening. Uh, and, you know, Hayes, like, really puts it plainly. There's a hundred years to unravel here. There's a hundred years of imbalance that needs to be corrected for. And it is much more staggering than we are willing to admit. This is not a 2008, let's, let, you know, like clear the foam off the top of the beer and try to get back to business and pump that foam back up, shake it up one more time. There's nothing left to shake up. There's no more beer. It's all foam. Now, there's a lot that... uh, So I was talking about how this article is kind of packed with information here Um, because there's... It's been really hard to try to wrap my head around. We talked about this a lot on the Raleigh Bitcoin meetup. Um, kind of got into it uh, in the episode that I posted yesterday, actually. But in trying to how to make, uh, trying to make sense of what it means for the dollar to become weaker and stronger at the same time, that the dollar economy, that the American economy, is becoming incredibly weak, but at the same time, because everybody desperately needs dollars, because the dollar is still the world reserve currency. The dollar itself is getting stronger as the Federal Reserve, as the monetary policy is essentially becoming a parody of itself. But so Ch- China has basically its, its entire economy, is, its entire you know, manufacturing and everything is about outsourcing. It's about importing dollars. That's our greatest export, right? Dollars. We export a currency from this country and we import goods and, you know, Air Jordans and uh, Ford F-150s and, you know, all that stuff. We, we buy the products we consume. The U.S. and Europe is the global consumption machine. And uh, we, export do- we export a currency. So what happens when we're not buying stuff anymore? Because that's what's going to happen. We're going to stop buying stuff. And China needs those dollars. Like all of these, the, the countries that we've outsourced this manufacturing to need to sell to somebody. 
So when they need the surplus, when they when they need that imp, uh, that importing of dollars to pay off their dollar do, dollar denominated debts to, um, uh, because the dollar is a reserve currency and their assets need to be their energy, their assets, their all of these things need to be exchanged and backed with dollars. What happens when that flow just gets cut off, and these countries don't have the benefit of a reserve currency. They can't, they can't get away with the amount of inflation, the amount of just sheer money printing that the U.S. can. The U.S. is an incredibly, incredibly advantageous position from a monetary standpoint, even though the entire foundations of its money is, is, being, is cracking, is being completely shook up. There's going to be a huge shift out of this because they don't have a choice if they can't get a hold of dollars and the American economy stops exporting dollars, we're going to have, we're going to have massive supply shortages. Prices are going to go up all over the place, and they're going to pump dollars into the hands of American citizens in the attempt to keep consumption actually moving forward. But that loss, that loss of being able to use the dollar, being able to rely on the dollar and a strong American economy to uh, basically allow these global dollar markets to actually be sustained, that's going to that's gonna fall away. We are about to, like, all the chips are on the table now. You know, where, do you, where are we going with this? As he says, the U.S. dollar fiction is over. And this, the leverage has to be unraveled, you know? Like, um, and uh, the, the interesting is, uh, he says the Nikkei, uh, talking about the Japanese stock market and the Bank of Japan, uh, and what happened there is that they essentially nationalized their market. They, 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 it was, they've been calling it essentially like the lost two decades. They first called it the lost decade, and then they kind of had, had to add a new decade to it. Because they, they've essentially been, been doing this or essentially a variation of this for 20 to 30 years. And that stock market has never, I didn't even quite realize that it had never um, uh, recovered even in nominal terms. And that's crazy. They've got a central bank that's buying up all of their assets and it's still not enough to actually unwind the mess that they made for themselves. And we're in a bigger mess. Our, our, we went so much further with what we could do, with how much we could leverage, because it was a global economy. The dollar economy is the economy of the globe. The problems and the imbalance that will come to roost will be bigger than any of the examples we have, and that's why it's going to take longer to unravel. That's why it's going to be messier. And, you know, which, what, <laughs> what fiction do you think holds any truth in reality? It has any amount of sustainability in this uh, and the you know i'll take my inflation adjusted that last line in this is fire just i'll take my inflation adjusted pocket rockets gold and bitcoin and call your Bretton woods 7-2 off suit all in mother <laughs> that's where i am man i don't know i can't imagine um and like particularly because it's such a mess and I don't know exactly when and where any of this is going to be 
Um, and, and like he says, you know, Bitcoin could drop again. We could te- we could retest uh, three thousand. Uh, like like he said, you know, and we've talked about this again before uh, on the show is that liquid goods, like anything that is liquid capital that can easily be accessed, which Bitcoin is a perfect example of, uh, that can be liquidated to um, prop up other leverage to um, meet reserve requirements and that sort of thing on, in other positions that will get liquidated. Those will get burned. Um, but that is all short term. And like, I know that I, I know that that short term risk is going to be there. But long term, what could possibly make any more sense? It's just a it's just an opportunity. It's an unbelievable opportunity. That people are getting short squeezed, that people are getting, uh, that, that there are margin calls happening and we get Bitcoin, we get the hardest asset that there is right now at a discount. Do you think the discussion about a, a sound monetary policy is going to become uh, distant and unfamiliar to people? Do you think this is going to go away or do you see an increase in the future? Like, what do you see? Do, do, does this go back to January 2020? It's funny, in, the, in our house, we've been calling it uh, that kind of the March-April area has been, um, uh, there's, there's 2020 uh, BC, uh, before Corona, and then there's 2020 AD, after disease, and the, the world is just not going to be the same. Um, and, you know, we got to put our cards on the table, like, like it's, it's time to place your bets. Uh, and you know, do you, you want, you want to bet on the fiat system, you know, more power to you, I guess. Um, I don't even see how you can live with yourself knowing that everything you do props it up. It's such a scam. It's such a scam. And it has, I can't see anything good in its future. Um, nothing sustainable, nothing, no responsibility. Like we're, the Fed's going to own the stock market. Um, they're, they're going to buy it. Like he says, they're going to buy equities. They're going to buy corporate debt. They are, they, they, they've already done this. They've already done this. They've, they're buying equities. They're buying corporate debt. They're buying all the bonds. Um, there it is. It's a, a backdoor, hardly even call it a backdoor. It's a nationalization of uh, assets so that they can buy it from uh, billionaires, from the corporate interests who don't want to see all of their net worth dry up. Uh, and it's at the expense of the taxpayer. It's at the expense of all the regular people, the, the middle class, the lower class, the people who don't, who would not be demolished, um, who th- th- is, this is not them being saved. It's 98% the 1%. Th- those are the people being bailed out right now. So, you know, we all got to do something with our Trump bucks. And I know everybody's hurting and it's not the easiest time um, to, you know, like you need that money. Um, But you're also making a bet every time. Everything that you hold right now is a wager on the future. A, that you want to see and B, that you think will be there. Is that future central bank manipulated fiat? Can you go back to believing that your government is on top of everything and has it all under control and your best interests at heart? 
that they won't lie to get what they want, and they won't let you lose your job or your savings or your pension in order to prop up a bunch of corporate zombies? Do you believe that still? Did you? Heck, the stock market has already been just a bunch of zombie unicorns. There's huge companies that don't even turn a profit. Um, that uh, always makes me think of, pops right into my head every time um, this discussion comes up, is that chart of the number of companies, the number of billion dollar or greater companies that, that matched that, that, that met that mark in like every year. And it's hilarious because it's like 2015 to 2017. It's like there's like one a year or two, you know, maybe. And then it just explodes. And numerous, numerous of them are just ridiculous. They're, 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 they're unprofitable. They don't pay dividends. Like it's just, it's just stock go up. It's just number go up. It's been that way for a long time. It's been that way since 2008. And that was a reinflation of that same problem. Is this going to happen again? I don't know. I'm inclined to think that we're, we're too far gone. This shutdown, this, the economic fallout from this, nobody, nobody's working. We got like, we're going to have a third of the economy in unemployment. Um, and that's kind of what it looks like right now. That's, that's, that's if I think everything tried to go back to normal immediately. And I don't think that's going to happen. We got some hard times ahead. Um, and there are a lot of decisions to be made. And, you know, it's time to put our money where our mouth is. It's, it's time to put our cards on the table. Um, and <laughs> Arthur Hayes is all in, apparently, Bitcoin and gold. So, uh, and I'm inclined to agree with him. Uh, in fact, actually, there's a really good episode of Tales from the Crypt. If you haven't listened to it, I'll put this in the show notes as well. Um, with, uh, 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 God, Roy... What was it? It's a guy from Gold Money, um, but it basically they they lay out the same argument is that you know gold and Bitcoin it should be allies. The oldest sound money in the world, and the soundest money that has ever existed that can be held and distributed on the internet, a programmable sound money, are not at odds with each other. They are they're partners in crime here. I won't give away too much. I'll just uh, link to the episode so you can listen to it. It's really, really good and highly recommended. Okay, I'm out. This was, uh, this was just a... <laughs> I got super jacked about this piece, and uh, it was no nonsense, uh, no apologies, and I loved it. I, I love one that just really hits home, um, and this one did for me. So uh, some applause to Arthur Hayes for this and the BitMEX blog. I particularly the Bitcoin research, excuse me, BitMEX research. Um, I rely on that quite a bit. They have some amazing pieces. They do some of the most thorough uh, work on the Lightning Network and collecting data on the network and the market in general. Um, so highly recommended. Their research team over there is awesome. Uh, I've, I've relied on them a lot um, in the past, and there are numerous pieces that I've been meaning to get to on the show um, but have never done. And uh, so this is actually a pretty epic piece to have begun 
our uh, our entry into the Bitmax blog, um, and I will link to it so that you can check that out and also check out their uh, uh, research page for the amazing body of work that they have up there, um, detailing out almost anything that you could think of. They do a great job of basically explaining out and, and digging into all the major events like the Bcash fork. Um, uh, they've got pieces on Schnorr signatures and Taproot, uh, numerous, numerous pieces on the Lightning Network. They're a huge player and they have a huge node. So they, they pull a lot of their own data about fees and routing and watchtowers and all that stuff. Um, so there's, there's literally a lot to unpack on that blog and I, I recommend checking it out. All right, we're out. Thank you so much for listening. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. Uh, as far as putting your cards on the table, you better be stacking sats. If you're looking for a future with monetary independence, um, with something that can't just be manipulated and a, a, a savings that can, is just not, is, isn't just a tool for politicians to put you back at the bottom of the tier so they can wipe out your savings to afford to bail out all of their corporate buddies. If you don't want to be a part of that, if you don't want to let that happen again, Bitcoin is a crucial part of that portfolio. Um, so start your Bitcoin savings account now, and you can do that at swanbitcoin.com. There's no easier or simple pl simpler place to do that. Don't forget to subscribe to the show as well. That is The Crypto Economy with Guy Swan. Soon to be Bitcoin Audible. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's uh, and I've got the uh, Twitter tag, so you can go check out the page. Things are happening. I got my little logo and cover up and stuff at Bitcoin Audible on Twitter. So if you want to check that out and you want to follow over there um, for updates, and I've got it on Instagram as well. I'm getting all the pieces behind the scenes, and they're finally coming together. So uh, hopefully something really fun to announce uh, in that regard soon. Stay tuned subscribe, and of course, share this out with everybody you know in the Bitcoin and crypto economy space. I'll catch you all tomorrow with another episode. Until then, take it easy, guys.